Greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 28, Child's Play. We are broadcasting live, well, live for us, from the Power of Change Worldwide headquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. Well, I'm here with my co-host, and we are uh, back. I'm back in the uh, hosting seat. But, back uh, in the saddle, Reed. I tell you what, fantastic episode last week. We talked about the beauty and calling of work, right, in the light of God to shape and redorn. Uh, redeem and restore all things and jesse you let you let us well man i was happy and proud to ride shotgun and we we uh we made it home safe and man people are being blessed all over the world by that podcast and so today we 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 figured that we didn't want to be all work with no play that's right <laughs> so today we're going to be a little bit about the games that we play or more particularly the games maybe our children play or, or the youth, as uh, my cousin Vinny once said, the youth out there, uh, the games parents might play in their past and now maybe circle like ravenous wolves and sharks at the youth sports, baseball, football, soccer fields today. So child's play, that's what we're talking about today. Yep. And, and you, we're, we're not talking about the, uh, the classic 80s horror film. No, with Chucky. No, that, right? is, that is very much a part of my childhood. The Chucky doll with a butcher knife, <laughs> and uh, we are going to do. Are we going to do something on? Uh, yes, on, yes. I, we're, I'm going to do something on horror films. I think we're going to do horror films as a genre of, yeah. li- of film filmography. But that's not today. Not today. But maybe we can say this. Yeah. Will you include Chucky for us? <laughs> I'd be happy to include Chucky. I don't know that I could promise to go back and rewatch it, but <laughs> maybe. Bride, but I saw it as maybe, a kid. Maybe Bride of Chucky. <laughs> I won't watch any of the new ones either. Well, Child's Play, man. Uh, Jesse and I both have children. I was uh, getting an update on the ages of uh, all all of uh, Jesse's squad. And uh, their uh, sports careers, budding sports careers, uh, yeah. in terms of their ages. Uh, Jesse, this is a unique uh, conversation that we'll be able to have today because my oldest is a little bit uh, old. No, my youngest is a little bit older than your oldest. That's and so right. So we're like. Uh, Our kids span the entire youth sport range. Nine months till. Yeah, I got a nine month old. Kayla is 17. Years she old. was a surprise. <laughs> a really beautiful great one she wasn't she was an afterthought or a adobe after effect of uh being happily married uh, into that's your right. later later years and uh and we my third just turned six today so he's he's six and he's playing soccer and then my seven-year-old and eight-year-old are both playing soccer too and and what was it i saw i think i saw on the gram uh, a box that was covered in uh, brown paper looked like a present for you. That's your right. Yeah, kids. we let him open his present this morning. He got a remote control car, oh, took it outside, that is drove awesome. it all over the neighborhood. And he's still in control with a controller in his hand. It's not like a robot car that drives itself. That's right. Chases yeah. and eats cats or something. You know? No, no, <laughs> no, no chance that it achieves singularity. No Terminator cars <laughs> yet. Well, man, hey, it's been just a week. It's glad I'm glad to be yeah. back. Uh, I'm going to be on the road next week in Kansas City, um, uh, speaking at an Acts 29 event, and we were going to podcast then, but we bumped it up a week so we could put work in play. I like this. So, back to back. Back to back. Well, today, folks, when you might be a child out there listening. Uh, you might have a child that's very young or very old. Um, but I wanted to address uh, youth sports because this uh, this phenomenon uh, is is exploding in our culture 
everywhere, like small towns, inner cities, suburbs, exurbs, er everywhere. Um, kids are playing sports and kids are quitting sports, starting sports. And so it's become a little bit crazy out there in them streets. And so just a, a little facts and figure. This is from Time Magazine or Time.com. Time got bought actually this week. Did you hear about that? The the founder of uh, Salesforce.com, I think his name is Mark Benioff. I did hear about that, but I didn't know what that meant yeah. or, or what I was supposed to think about it. You know, I, I think that these media acquisitions like Benioff uh, buying Time.com and um, Jeff Bezos bought the Washington yep. Post not too long ago. I think it's like the, trying to keep alive like artifacts from hmm. our history or something like Time Magazine, Man of the Year, then became Person of the Year. Um, I heard a joke on another podcast that maybe Mark Benioff will be man of the year. Him and his wife, <laughs> him and wife, him and his wife who bought the company will be persons of the year. Why? They saved everybody's jobs internal there. But time.com, this is an article a couple years old, but it was talking about the youth sports economy. And here's a quote from this Time magazine. We'll put it in the show notes. The youth sports economy, which includes everything from travel to private coaching and uh, mobile phone applications that organize leagues and live stream games. I love Team Snap, by the way. That's what our, we use. Is now a fifth. I, I mentioned on a couple of weeks ago that it, I thought it was like a billion dollar market. Youth sports, 15.3 billion dollars, according to Wintergreen Research, a private firm that tracks the sports industry. And it's rapidly getting bigger. So according to figures from Wintergreen, provided exclusively to Time Magazine, the Nathan Ute sports industry has grown by 55% since 2010. F 15 billion? Yes, yes. Isn't that insane? That is insane. Now here's a... I don't like paying $20 for registration fees. I... I hear you, bro, <laughs> and I'm about to make a confession. Yes, of, I want to know of my sins to my pastor, one of my pastors. Um, it, this article said that some families spend close to ten percent of their income on their kids' sports activities. So this is why our church has no money, Ruth, <laughs> because, <laughs> because it's because, all, <laughs> because you guys are spending all your money on sports. Um, I only wish that I was one of those families that would make a difference and, <laughs> and make a big splash in our church budget. Uh, we give faithfully every month to our church uh, and to I'm other organizations. Yeah. I know you are. Um, but but this statistic says 10%. I'm like, oh, I looked at things in our budget because we just were re reworking our budget because our ministry year just came to an end and looking at our family's budget and things like that. And and I'd say we easily do that, which is kind of shocking, kind of crazy uh, in reality. But I have I have three kids playing sports and my wife is a coach, which actually she's coaching a club soccer team this fall, which actually offsets our costs, uh, both in travel and fees because okay. they, she's compensated a little bit. Side hustle. Side hustle. She's part of that $15.3 billion dollar she's, market. She's collecting some of those. She's passed She go. has taken some of my money. Yeah, maybe. She maybe. has. Oh, yeah, yes, remember she, she did a that's right. Uh, that's right. She did a little training camp for the little kids for soccer last summer. She gave you guys a really, really fine a great rate for a her great deal. level of... Uh, professional qualifications but yeah fit 10 percent of a family income going to sports i think about that and so and here's the, one of the fool's errands i think from this article it says there may be no single factor driving the professionalization of youth sports than the dream of free college now a little confession jesse my yeah. wife and i both were scholar scholarship i was going to ask you was college free for you guys it was, it was not free for us um Casey was a walk-on at UNC Chapel Hill, which was, at the time, 
probably one of the best college sports dynasties in any sport of right all powerhouse time. yeah i mean they won mia ham yep she played on the same team as mia ham they won that she's got two national championship rings uh, and then she transferred to a smaller division one program where she did have a full ride for two years and did very well all south region all american and things and i and i was not a full ride because in wrestling they have 9.9 scholarships for 10 weight classes so if you got everybody on full rides you don't have a team, so hardly anyone, maybe a few people, will be on full rides. But I had a pretty decent partial scholarship all the way through for five years. My coach redshirted me, which meant he extended the money, which was really nice. Uh, so I got to study some more uh, computer science and things like that. But so we realize, um, kind of have walked a little bit in that world, that we have absolutely zero expectations that our kids are going to get scholarships. Right. Because the amount of scholarship, although there's – I think $3 billion or something given in uh, scholarships to athletes in, in colleges. Um, it's still a very, very tiny, tiny group of people. And we, we just thought that was a bad motivational factor. But apparently that is the motivating factor for most parents who do this kind of specialized training, $100 an hour hitting coaches. And right. Strength and conditioning when you're seven, eight years old, which is counterproductive. You hadn't been, hit puberty yet, but... Um, so this is reality. Uh, more and more specializations to uh, specific sports very young with training, travel, high uh, entry fee, as well as, you know, the attendant costs of being in hotels and all around the country, so to speak, for the sport. This is today's reality. And so and to talk about this uh, in the show notes, this will be a really good um, set of links. Again, like Jesse provided some amazing links last week, by the way, if you haven't checked out the show notes on work. Today we'll have uh, links for parents or whoever's looking at this stuff, making decisions perhaps, in the show notes. But I'm going to just uh, segment off uh, some of the comments we have here into the good, the bad, and then the uh, c- complete the uh, the ugly, the proverbial trifecta: the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because I don't think all of this sports craziness is bad. Uh, but I think some of it is ugly, and certainly there are some things that are very, very good. So up first, the good. This is from the the National Council for Youth Sports. Obviously, they're biased, they're pro, but I figured they'd be good to let them brag on youth sports. These are the lists and benefits that they that they list uh, as benefits for youth sports: physical health, active, reduced obesity rates, cardiovascular health. You know, your heart and lungs, things like that. Number two, social well-being, having good friends, having uh, positive role models at times from coaches or, or other uh, uh, athletes in the sport. Uh, mental health, lower rates of depression, lower, uh, lower rates of suicidal thoughts or behavioral problems been shown amongst athletes. Um, this one, a lot of people who kind of go into the dumb jock stereotype might be yeah. surprised by. But of course, uh, Casey and I aren't surprised by it. It's academic performance is actually higher for those who are in high school, have higher graduation rates uh, and higher GPAs hmm. for those who are actively participating in sports. There are some who probably bring that down. Um, but remember, uh, there are broad amounts of sports and different kinds of athletes. I would here. not have yeah. assumed that one. Yeah, That's yeah. interesting. Most, most people wouldn't. But, you know, being an athlete um, in college, most, most of the friends that we had who were sports people were highly motivated students in the classroom. And then finally, something they called health behaviors, a better diet, less likely to smoke cigarettes. I don't know if they're jeweling out there, though. That's new. Um, Watch less TV uh, and to be more satisfied with their body weight. 
Uh, of course, unless you were a wrestler, then you were never satisfied with your body weight and you have body weight issues for the rest of your life. I'll leave that for the bed later, perhaps. And, and I'll just add these personal ones in for us as a family. We've, we've had wonderful, wonderful family connections. Um, even this past uh, couple weeks ago, driving, I drove four and a half hours to a soccer game with three uh, teenage girls in the car with me, one of mine and two others. Sounds like friends. fun. It, it was so fun. Was it? Felt like one of the gangs, Jesse. Uh, we talked about a little bit of everything, and then we played a game in the rain and then drove four and a half hours back. Yeah. And it was kind of an all-day affair. But the connections that we've made with our children, our children with one another, uh, with these kinds of expeditions have been just a, a delight for us. Um, the enjoyment of competition and kids being self-challenged, you know, having to motivate themselves, compete, try hard, not quit, that thing has been wonderfully good for our kids. And then um, this one I'll just share carefully that uh, my wife played soccer. All our kids play soccer. It's been great to see our kids share a passion of one of their parents, you know. Uh, and I'm even a soccer convert, by the way. I used to hate the sport. Now it's my favorite sport. I'm missing a Champions League game right now because we're podcasting. So I'm more committed to the underground than to Manchester United. Thank you for that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and um, But yeah, our kids, man, doing things that we've done with them has been... Now there's a there's a downside to that uh, kind of parent thing, but uh, we'll hit that. Yeah, but let's wait for a minute before we go there. You know, I, so I'm I'm hearing this list and I'm thinking... Uh, yeah, I think I agree with all this. Like in my memories of playing youth sports, um, you know, I have friends, I, I have a lot of friends who, who I met playing baseball and who, uh, a lot of our friendship was built around long car rides to travel games or, uh, long grueling practices or just the fun of the game. And, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm on board with this. With the good, with the good, I see the good, and, and that's the, the reason why I, that we've got our kids playing sports. That's right. That's right. Um, and it, and it's true that there's a high amount of kids that play sports when they're very young, and then there's just a rapid drop off. Right. Um, usually around the age thirteen or so, where kids, we'll get to that in a moment. Why kids quit playing sports? Because if these are all benefits, some of them mental health, some of them physical health, some of them related to their view view of themselves, they're great. You think, well, why wouldn't they do that? for a long time well there are uh, hashtag reasons and some of them are quite bad now um under the bad there's there's a uh an article from something called the changing the game project by a guy named john o'sullivan and i think he gets to the crux of a lot of the bad uh because he he highlights why kids quit playing sports like i'm done with this but before we get to o'sullivan stuff there's a few other things there's a thing called mom's team where it's kind of a group of moms looking at sports it's a really good article that i'll link uh, called the dark side of youth sports um and one of the things focused there was that parents being a little out of control um it's one thing to enjoy doing something you did with your kid but it's another thing to like attack your coaches uh, attack referees, scream at your children, um, parents somehow living vicariously through their kids. Like, oh, I'm living the dream again. You know, yeah. um, certainly the the show Friday Night Lights probably see that where yeah. dad had won state championship and the kid needs to as well. And if not, you know, you kind of rip into your children. Parents being out of control. Do you see? Do you a, see this a lot with your girls man, in sport? tell you what i'm not trying to give in to stereotypes but like when we lived in jersey yeah. our, our club had an express written contract with parents of things we could and could not do okay and we had to sign that when the kids went into the the club 
and we we saw literal fights on the sideline. Yeah, uh, we yep. haven't seen a fight in Virginia yet, so I'm not saying it doesn't happen; just hasn't happened in front of us. But yeah, parents going crazy. I I've got, had to. My wife's had to tell me when I was younger not to. I have a very loud voice. I can project well. Um, and I've snapped at a referee before where my yeah. wife has had to rebuke me, right? It's like, calm yourself down. This is, what are you doing? You're one of those people now. And, and certainly, uh, parents learning to be there in a different way, which we'll close the podcast with some things on that. Yeah. Front. I've definitely seen this even, even around here, even with little kids, my kids are little. Yeah. Real little. My yeah. kids are little. And I have seen a parent interrupt a uh, a P, like what is it midgets i think it's midget league when they're like five and six yeah. walk through the field in the middle of play to confront a referee oh i goodness. mean this is like these are kids just pick the ball up when it comes near them and and the, and these referees are getting paid ten dollars an hour to just basically keep yeah. them moving in the right direction and you got you got parents who are just roid raging on oh it's crazy <laughs> it's yeah. crazy yeah so this is a bad thing in youth sports that certainly has to be addressed and we will revisit it again in the ugly because it gets worse another bad thing this is highlighted in the time uh the time piece we quoted already uh, it's expensive okay this is a quote an expensive travel team replaces community leagues or rec leagues you know more kids are getting shut out of organized sports as this happens some 41% of children from households earning, earning 100000 or more, mom and dad together household, uh, have participated in team sports, according to the Sports and Fitness Industry Association. In households with incomes of less than 25000 the participation in team sports is 19%. Hmm. So there's there's kind of this reality that the price is going up. Yeah. And it's very, very difficult to maintain. I mean, all of my wife's side hustle work she's done over the last several years, we're all, we always say, well, pick up some hours there because help pay soccer fees, you know. Yeah. Pay for that hotel. So, uh, yeah, so parents out of control, expensive. Other bad things, there's high pressure being brought on kids too young. Mm. Too young. And this brings us to a Sullivan's article of why why kids drop out of sports. Many, like I think it's as high as 70% by age 13. Um, first thing O'Sullivan highlighted was just not fun anymore. You know, what was a game, you know, with your friends and things, all of a sudden there's this high-pressure stake where coaches and parents are a little crazy, and why do they want to do that? They don't want to do that anymore. Uh, secondly, um, kids lose their say in play, in their play. In other words, it's not about something they want to do anymore. It's something someone's hovering over them or suggesting all this training or, you know, sometimes a young athletes can be highly motivated, but sometimes it's coming from all over the place. Right. right? And they get burned out. They get burned out on it. That's exactly right. Um, Third thing O'Sullivan says is they like to play, right? They like yeah. to play. And many times there's pressure from sometimes travel leagues and different sports to, hey, you need to be on a travel team and pay all this money so so you'll get better. And all the kids that go to college, that's what they do. We saw this in New Jersey. Some soccer clubs would have five teams deep at an age group. And so once you do that, you have a level of play that really kids that should be playing rec soccer in their local town are paying massive exorbitant fees. You know, obviously the club's making tons of money and the coaches and everybody in that situation. Uh, But the kids aren't aren't in a place that they they need to be. And other times they stuff the team with kids that maybe should be playing rec and they just don't play. They just sit the bench. Yeah, it's competitive. We're trying to win. And usually, you know, if you're paying to play baseball or soccer or something, it's about, you know, comp- competing. So, yeah, they just sit the bench the whole time. And 
Who wants to do that? And his article says, hey, get the kid in the right level so they play. Because when you play, you're getting all the benefits uh, associated with it. We shared already. Um, number four, worried about winning and losing. Right, Little kids worried right about making a mistake or being ridden by a coach to the point where they just get locked up with anxious anxiety uh, because they don't want to you know, have a ball go through their legs or drop a pass. These kinds of things, uh, kids realize, ah, why do I want to do that? Um, and then finally, his reason was not sensing respect from a coach. Um, and he kind of elaborated here on things that kids wanted from coaches. So if you're out there and you're a coach or you're a mom who wants to be a coach or a dad who might coach your kids' teams, here's what the kids say they want. Number one, respect and encouragement. You respect the people and encourage them. Number two, a positive role model, right? So don't be a criminal or a crazy person when you're coaching kids. Uh, number three, a clear and consistent communication, right? It coaches that don't communicate or unclear or play mind games with kids on their teams, putting them against each other, that kind of thing without clarity. Not always helpful. Number four is important, but way down at number four, knowledge of the sport. And then five, a coach that listens to them. If they have something to say, um, the coach listens. So so the bad stuff, right, expensive, parents are crazy, it's not fun, we're out of league, so we're sitting on the bench not playing, we're worried too early and anxious about winning and losing, such that kids just say, hey, I'd rather not do that anymore and do something else. How about the bad, Jesse? You like the good. Well, you know, I was thinking about how my uh... – yeah, I mean, all of that, I've seen it. And, and, I, and you know, a lot of it, when I think about my kids, they're still really young. So yeah. we're still yeah. mapping out, like, what do we want them to do? Yeah. How involved do we want them to be? How much money are we going to throw at this? And how involved do you want to be? How involved do time? I want to be? Yeah. I, I, am, I am the assistant to the head coach of very my nice, six-year-old soccer, nice. soccer team. Positive role model, clear knowledge of the sport. That's li- right. There's well. not clear. There's not knowledge <laughs> of the sport. It's <laughs> soccer, and I, I don't know much about it, but <laughs> I'm positive I know more than my team. And <laughs> right. so it's just right. by degrees. Um, right. Spread out. Kick the ball. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, no, turn around. Yeah. You're going the wrong way. The wrong um, way yeah. So uh, I was also thinking about m- my most fun youth sport experiences Mm. um were in baseball and uh some were when i was coached by my dad which was actually really fun for me my dad was a good role model he wasn't um uh overly uh he was very thoughtful about the game but it wasn't a lot of high pressure right um and then some but then (laughs) some of my most favorite kind of years of my life growing up revolved around playing on the Dodgers. The Dodgers. And, and our coach was very knowledgeable. He played minor league baseball way back in the day. So he was like your guy's hero almost, right? Uh, well, no, he wasn't our hero because <laughs> he was um, – he was uh, so he was real fun, but also he could be real hard. Yeah, he was slightly um, insane. <laughs> he was – and here's the thing is he – and this was like – I guess this was a little bit more normal in the 90s especially because it wasn't so um uh well yeah because it had the professionalization of youth sports was still kind of in the future but he would bring um he would bring like a six pack of or or more than that of zima you remember zima <laughs> it's like malt liquor beverage <laughs> clear liquor town yeah like. yeah and he would drink zimas all the way through practice. <laughs> so like the be- the coach at the beginning of practice and coach at the end of practice were, were different coaches. Right, right. And uh, and so you actually were okay making mistakes at the beginning of practice, but you didn't want to oh, at the end. Oh, man. 
Um, and so, yeah. So I, what I've taken from that is as my six-year-old son's coach. Um, if you're a man, don't drink don't, Zima. Don't, <laughs> there's a lot to take away from that. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Uh, don't drink while coaching. coaching don't yeah. drink during the practice. Don't drink while giving kids on the team rides home. Yeah. I used to get a ride home yeah. with him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so th- those are things I would say are the bad of youth sports. I, I Hopefully think, that doesn't happen very much anymore. I think we might have dropped all the way down into the ugly already. <laughs> <laughs> That's our transition. Yeah. Yes, well, uh, well, in the ugly are uh, coaches that get go down deep down to Liquor Town during practice, during practice, and then uh, break, and during the game break laws and yeah. drive home. Uh, yeah, I might have seen yeah. a coach drink some old Milwaukee in my day. Um, well, let's let's get into the ugly list I have for us as well. Um, mental health for kids. This is this is sad. This is the American Academy of Pediatrics that this becomes common as youth sports get serious. Burnout, anxiety depression, right? And then attrition rates, kids quitting, uh, and early specializers. That means I'm going to be the best, uh, tennis player on earth. And everybody knows the best tenor on earth only play tennis. And then, and then yeah. they specialize yeah. so early. Um, maybe tennis is a bad example because you kind of have to specialize really early to be really good at tennis, but like, I'm not going to play football, baseball, basketball, or hockey. I'm just going to play one thing year right. round. Right. And what happens, there's a lot of, um, uh, there's a lot of, um, parents that believe that that's somehow going to make their kid better if they only do baseball. But what happens, they use the same muscles year round. Um, so injuries happen more. Uh, there's not a variety of play and strategy and mental engagement for a kid who switches sports. And in fact, if somebody wants to say, Hey, I want to be a college division one athletes. I think it's something that like in the high 80, 86% or something that of kids who play that are division one athletes all played multiple sports. Yeah. In fact, almost everyone on Casey's, um, soccer team or the, the elite of the elite in women's soccer that all of them played multiple sports. And so, um, when you specialize early, burnout, anxiety, depression, that's not good. Um, injuries for kids, right, can be very traumatic. I've certainly invested tons of money yeah. in injuries in our family. We've had broken leg bones. We've had broken arm bones, nose bones. Part of the game, but is also difficult. Uh, alcohol and substance abuse amongst college athletes. Uh, binge drinking among college athletes, very high. And I certainly can say that we have observed that. Um, and then certainly one of the really dark, ugly things of youth sports, um, sexual abuse in youth sports systems. Right. We've seen that certainly in U.S. gymnastics recently and certainly in Michigan State, same kind of the doctors and things uh, just doing. Which you have to you have yeah. to think probably isn't as unique as it seems so far. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, it's it's certainly something as any parent in sporting settings ought to be. uh uh, having their eyes open, yeah, to, right. Yep. It's sad to say, but uh, you can't trust everything, um, particularly uh, young children alone with people, um, ha- has led to some terrible, terrible things. Um, well, we had it in our bad section, but I'm gonna throw it here in ugly again. Parents again. Now, this comes from an article in the Huffington Post entitled "Field of Screams." And there's just a bullet list in this article. I'll put the article in the show notes that says these are actual events and occurrences from uh, around uh, this old country uh, that happened in sports. Now, uh, these aren't the norm, but they are ugly. First of all, a brawl, that means a fight, among parents at a junior hockey game in upstate New York leading to eight misdemeanor charges and a dad with a dislocated from being pushed off the bleachers. Ugly. High school basketball game in Pittsburgh where an angry dad gave a referee a concussion because the ref had asked mom to leave for shouting obscenities during the game. 
We've got a fifth grade mom standing and cheering on her daughter, not for scoring a basket, but for making an opponent cry. That's ugly. That's ugly. Ugly. Uh, a bench clearing parental brawl at a junior. This can't be true. <laughs> <laughs> this can't be true. T ball game? Well, it is in the Huffington Post. T ball game did, did in their Florida? Research. Yeah. Got Have you go. ever seen a T ball game? Hey, it got, it got ugly. <laughs> a T ball game, yeah. Oh my god! This next one might might uh, be a little true with the sport involved. A girls' rugby coach beaten beaten till he was bloody and unconscious by parents and another coach. Another coach, terrible dad berating and beating a baseball coach for taking his eleven year old son out of a game. And finally, a father beaten to death in front of his son by another parent at a hockey game in Massachusetts. Now you think, why on earth are we doing that? So we have some really ugly effects on uh, young people, effects on parents. Uh, we have some bad things, right, on, you know, money and yeah. um, minor minor parent issue perhaps or coaches being a little too tough and heavy. Um, and then we have lots of lots of lots of great good um, to be involved. So as a dad, and, you know, we've been walking in these woods, Jesse, for a minute. Um, how can we maximize the good, steer clear of the bad, and keep out all that ugly? Um, well, this, how, how do we do it, Reed? <laughs> well, Teach me. I, yeah. I got to think about this. Yeah, this is this is a beautiful thing about um, local churches. I think too is that you do get close conversation with people who are ahead of you in yeah. the game, and certainly we've had our conversations with older people, and then certainly. Um, uh, those who are coming up and hey, my kids might be looking at some of this later. Right, um, we've we've made some ex, uh, mistakes. I've also written in, uh, on a major uh, national church blog for the church defending um, being involved in competitive sports um, because I don't think it's an area of life we just want to cede over to. You know, hey, if you're a Christian, you can't do it. Right. Um, so these are some of the things that we've put into practice as a family over the years. And I just have seven because seven's an awesome number. Um, and, uh, I, I actually combined two. I had eight, but I figured I'd combine two and make it seven. First of all, that was the right thing. That's the right choice, yeah. right? Uh, it's in the laws of the Medes and the Persians or something. Um, number one, uh, make memories to, and be together. This is man. Sports have been an excuse for our family to be together a lot. We support one another. We rejoice in successes. There's lots of defeats and failures. Yeah. And I've watched my kids like love each other through that and be they have my son was drug drug around the little dude to all his sister's games yeah. forever. And now watching them reciprocate. I sent out an email today because Tommy made a team that, that was he was trying out for. What team? Not a, well, it's just not a huge deal, but the West District Virginia ODP team for his age group, he made that. So I sent out an email, you know, to to his sisters and to his mom saying, Hey, good job, Tom, you know, because we're supporting a little guy now and and so that's been a really, really uh, a huge blessing to our family, making memories and being together. Um, allowing kids to play what they enjoy. I think it's great for little kids to, to, to try sports, different sports, maybe sports their, their parents didn't have any involvement with, um, and see what they like. You know, when they're little, it's not time to try to be in the NBA. It's time to learn to dribble and shoot a basketball, right? It's not time to learn to, learn to see if you can hit a curveball every time. It's time to say, hey, do I like hitting balls and bats and playing different sports? And so... Um, I don't think parents, if you did a sport, you have to make them do your thing. Uh, but if they do, you know, hey, do it along with them. It's great. But let them play what they enjoy and figure it out. Um, number three, play at the appropriate level. 
I think everybody starts out playing in a rec league in their town in some sport. I think that's great. I think if kids do that till they're 18 and all the way through high school, I think that's great. There's this pressure in culture to say, well, you're, why aren't you playing travel? Why aren't you playing AAU? Or why aren't you doing this or that? Why aren't you playing on the Nike basketball team? Um, and so parents think that, that rec, rec sports is kind of like the ghetto of the sports world that nobody wants to be in. I don't think that should be the case at all. Um, now it does bring up a question, uh, how do you know, right? If a kid should move up and usually what we've found is that it becomes pretty evident to everybody. So if you have a kid say in the sport of soccer, playing rec soccer, and uh, you have a girl playing soccer on the boys team and she's scoring five goals a game, there might be a place move her up, move her up to something else. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and that usually should come from those who care about you, your family, your kid, your kid really likes the sport. They want to keep getting better. They're bored with the competition. They feel like they're kind of running the game. Uh, and then from people who actually know, not the ones just that necessarily can take your money. We had a, a, a youth coach in New Jersey say, Hey, uh, your kid should be going to try to play over there. Um, and that meant leaving our township club and going somewhere else. Mm. And, and that person had no, uh, they, they weren't going to be financially compensated by recruiting her to his club, but it allowed um, Kayla, our oldest, to go play where she needed to play. Yeah, I just saw this recently. I saw there was a kid playing against uh, one, one of my kids' teams, and he w- he scored so many goals in the first half that I watched his mom pull him aside <laughs> and tell him not and to. tell him to stop. Right, right. Like basically say, hey, you need to you need to just pass your teammates. Just you you know that you it, had enough. It's and, 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 and so it's maybe time for him to go. Yeah, and go and, up. And that that what that mom did at that field was right. Yeah. But the other right thing to do is not to tell that kid to sandbag it, hold back, not be everything he can be. That's another problem, right, in our culture. Like, no, find the place for him where he's challenged. Yeah, for sure. Um, Number four, play more than one sport. We mentioned earlier specialization too young, not good. Um, Don't specialize at seven years old. Let let them play. And and if your kids really love one sport, we've we've had our girls play basketball even when they weren't necessarily wanting to because my wife said, hey, use different muscle groups, learn to be an athlete, stay in shape throughout the winter, get in the gym and play basketball. So our girls have been very, very hustle-oriented basketball players that play great defense, but they, they can't shoot a ball to save their lives unless it's with their feet. Um, you know, Tommy's going to wrestle again this year, and, and I think there's uh, his primary sport is, is football or soccer. I mean, excuse me, American football fans. But I think wrestling offers him a lot in terms of mental toughness and fortitude and being able to push through other things that other soccer kids can't. So there's a little fun for him in wrestling. Um, if you're not the coach, uh, number five, let the coaches coach. In other words, uh, you're your mom or your dad, and you need to back off. Um, my wife is fantastic at this. I, I think she's one of the best coaches that I've seen around in youth soccer. Um, but she is, she has been our kids moms, even to the point where I, I had to back off and say, Hey, why don't you take our kids out back and make them good? <laughs> you know? And, uh, she's like, you know, you just need to calm down and let me be their mother. It's going to be very valuable to all of us long-term rather than me making them good. And she's her coaching philosophy is probably a little different than mine because I think some kids you need to motivate and other kids are self-motivated. So she's always been like, ah, if they want to get better, they'll come to me. And they do. But there's a few of our kids I wish still take them out back, make them good. But, uh, yeah, let the coaches coach. Um, you be mom and dad. Number six, value the person over every performance. Um, your kid does not need to feel from you 
anything but love, respect, support for when they try. Okay, there's another thing to say if they're yeah. if they're not if they're not putting themselves into something. Um, but if they've done their best and then got their clock clean, got dominated, made mistakes, you value the person over that performance. In other words, how is it forming them? Uh, we need to care much more how our kids respond to failure or or losses or you know poor performances rather than that the fact they didn't win or something like that. And so I think there's huge opportunities for parenting, spiritual formation, shaping humans through sports if we get beyond the performances. Now, on the other side, there's another thing to be said. If if kids aren't trying hard, if they're not investing or they're being kind of jerks to their teammates, that's the other side where that performance is indicating something of their own character, and we do engage that, but certainly not just outcomes. Yeah, I like that point a lot because, uh, you know, as as with a, a few of my friends who we were pretty competitive growing up, uh, we've had conversations about this, this whole topic. Our kids are growing up at the same time. Is it worth putting our kids like deep into sports when we saw how many people were burnt out by the performance, yeah. really this kind of pressure to perform? And uh, and I think this is good because it's, I think the answer is yes, because if they're getting in their family, what you're talking about here, rather than just missing out altogether on the hard work, the teamwork, the camaraderie, the all the good, the virtue yeah. formation that can happen there, you miss out on all that by just saying steering clear of sports altogether. Uh, not that we would force a kid into sports if they're just there's right. no interest. If they but, like violin, let them right. do violin. Yeah, uh, but but the, but then if they're doing that, they fail and they're they're picked up by their family and they're affirmed in their personhood and over their performance, then they're actually, right. le- they're, they're not just learning how to be a virtuous person through trying hard. They're also learning that their identity is not in their performance. That's right. That's right. That's I like right. this. And those, and those types of parenting philosophies or, or engagements also apply to their academics. Yeah. You know, yep. none of our kids, if they fail a test is going to come home feeling great about it, but they're not going to feel like we hate them or ashamed of them or going to rip them up or going to take away their lunch money or something like that. We're going to engage with their disappointment and then address what's going on that led to you not knowing it because we're here to learn and and grow as people. So number one, make memories and be together. Number two, let them play what they enjoy. Number three, uh, play at the appropriate level. Uh, Number four, play more than one sport. Don't specialize at seven. Five, let the coaches coach. And then six, value person over every performance. And then number seven, I think is really important, Jesse, and probably what you were getting to just now is that you want to live your loves and values as a family in that arena, because the reality is in the sports arena, you have people with different uh, belief systems, worldviews, value systems, ways of viewing sport, ways of viewing life, ways of viewing God, ways of viewing success, ways of viewing outcomes, all kind of smashed up in a competitive environment. And it's very easy to lose your soul in the midst of that uh, for the sake of adopting this win at all costs or adopting this kind of humanistic view of athletics. And so I'm personally, I'm a follower of Jesus. Um, my family rolls that way together and we roll into that world like that. And so, um, our values are expressed in the sense that we, uh, we do, we, we want to find our identity in some place beyond our sport while allowing God to use our sport to form our identity. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. We have like a, on the way to games and practices, we'll repeat the same kind of, we, we have our own little catechism. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Where well, we, we got to put this in the show notes. You can write it up for us. Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's awesome. real simple. Yeah. It's real simple. We'll, we'll just say, um, Hey, what do mom and dad want 
want you to do today in the game? What's most important to us? Yeah. And now it's gotten to the point where they will repeat back, try hard, have fun, treat people well. Yeah. And so, yeah. um, so, so that's it. That's, we just kind of walked through that before. You're right. That's I all we want. We, we want it. you to try hard. We want you to have fun and we want you to, to treat people with respect. That's awesome. And then, uh, and then the other thing that we make them do as part of their liturgy, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, their yeah. sports liturgy is they have to thank their coach after every, after every game, after every, they have to look their coach in the eye. Cause it, when they're six, seven, eight, that's actually a challenge sometimes yeah. to look, a, huge, look another adult, big a person. Huge person. Yeah. They're tired. They want their snack. They want, but, uh, but we want to make sure that they're, and oftentimes, sadly, they're the only kid on the team that's yeah. thanking their coach for, yeah. for the day or whatever. So beautiful. My, yeah. my wife would be proud. That's one of her, uh, values for our children is that after every training, every, you know, before and after you shake the coach's hand, thank them, ask them for ways they can improve. It, yeah. it builds social skills as well as good coach uh, pl- player relationships. So some of our values for our kids was like, we don't let kids quit in the middle of stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't mind a kid not liking to play basketball if they don't want to play basketball, but they're not doing it halfway through a season. That's that right. Committed yep. to. Yeah. So they're fortitude getting through something you don't like and then reevaluating when it's time to re up or not. That's a value for us in sports. Yeah. Don't, uh, don't retire in the middle of the game. Yeah, you see how that just yeah, happened? We got yeah. from the Buffalo Bills, the Bills. a cornerback or something. <laughs> yeah. That's not, uh, that's not cool. It is funny though. Uh, but it's not funny. Yeah. It's yeah. cool or not cool. Yeah. Um, we tell our kids that we're already kind of on this topic, learn to handle your business. In other words, uh, you have an issue with your coach. You write the email. You want to talk to your coach about a tactical or a technical issue. You talk to your coach about it. Um, if you have an issue with your teammates, this happens as well, right? Somebody's got beef with you or you got beef with them. You handle your business. Yeah. Not by that. I mean, don't go out and throw, but, um, you know, if they're trying to throw on you, you subdue them, get them on the ground and wait till an authority comes. But, um, but handle your do business. You do, do you do some like, uh, some training in that with your kids? Here's my, how you... my son's wrestled since he was in first okay. grade. So he's not in danger. If some kid wants to punch him on a soccer field. Um, those other kids would be in danger, but yeah, we don't, we tell our kids about fighting cause people fight. Yeah. You don't ever start fights. Um, yeah. I don't go to where my, like my father said, you never start a fight, but you better always finish, finish it. it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not telling them to go whip some booty and stuff, but I am saying, Hey, use proper techniques to get them where they can't hurt you or themselves. And, and you know, if they pass out in the process, that's okay. Um, and then wait till proper authority comes to, you know, shake their hand and wake them up. Um, yeah, I, I don't ever let kid beat the crap out of you, but you're not fighting people. That's not our due. But, you know, double leg, get to the mount, hold them down. You're good. All right. And then uh, final thing to live in our values is that we, we, we to live as Christ to die as gain, that's our philosophy as a family. Um uh, may I now have sufficient courage now as always Christ be exalted in our mortal, mortal bodies uh, for to live as Christ dies game what does that mean what does that mean on a soccer pitch or a wrestling mat how do you live for the Lord there and of course that's brought up all kinds of fun conversations about the relationship between the gospel community the local church and sports on Sunday what is if that sound, man, here it comes. Well, I guess it's time for you to take us to church because this is an issue, right? Sports and Sunday morning. Everyone who's not a Christian, the ideal time for youth sports is Sunday. What do we do with this, man? And uh, why why does Sunday even matter? And uh, what if, well, I'll share what we do, maybe. But uh, what are we gonna do here? Yeah. So so I'll do a brief take him to church here, Reed. Um, yeah. So. Uh, so youth sports being on Sundays is a challenge for 
people who are church to go to church, people like you and I, uh, it's a challenge because Sunday is the day in which we gather as a church. Uh, we do that because, uh, well, we do that, first of all, because uh, it, the early church actually changed the day of worship, right? So uh, the, the Jewish people worshiped on Saturday. Saturday was their Sabbath. Saturday is when they would go to synagogue or go to the temple. And, uh, and the early church changed that, right? And they changed that because Jesus rose on a Sunday. And so what they saw is in the resurrection of Jesus, our life changes, but also our week changes, our calendar changes. Like this is a whole new thing that Jesus is doing. And, and so to celebrate his resurrection, they would gather on Sunday mornings at the beginning of the week and they would gather weekly. And this is something that's been passed down to us from the book of Acts. I mean, yeah, this is, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, this is Paul's talking about this in first Corinthians when you Which gather together. Early writing, right? Early, early. Yeah. yeah. We're talking 50 AD yeah. probably. And so first Corinthians 16, maybe, or yeah, 15, 16, yeah, he's yeah. talking about, um, gathering for communion. Yeah, when we take communion, breaking the, the bread. That's the right. Week. Yeah. 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 So for the first day of the week and then Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, actually, let me read that. Um, uh, 10, 24, and 25 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so the Christian community made it a, a, a commitment that we would gather together regularly, that we gather together weekly, and specifically on Sunday, because each each week when we gather on Sunday is a reminder that we worship a God who is alive, who's come out of the grave. Who's, yeah. Uh, when the sun rose, he rose. Yeah. There's a great, there's a great uh, passage out of, I think, Justin Martyr's second apology from around 180 uh, AD where he describes, you know, we worship on the first day of the week because of the day that God created the world and Jesus rose from the dead, all these theological reasons. And then even describing the basics, even early on what the church does together, which by God's grace, we're, we're, we're privileged to do. That's right. Brings up those hard, hard decisions. Yeah. It becomes Uh, difficult though. When you've got kids, like how many Sundays can you miss? And you're still Okay, with you're Jesus. still okay, you know, and, and <laughs> or your pastor, <laughs> <laughs> which those might actually be two different, two yeah. different issues, yeah, right? It, it you know, could, it could be. Um, I, we, yeah. we we were in a pickle on this man because in New Jersey, I was the pastor, one of the pastors, one of our elders at our church, and certainly we we had some Sundays where I had one kid who was had a game in Connecticut, another one upstate Albany, New York, another in New Jersey. I had to teach two services, a membership class, and my wife's going, "How in the world?" Do we do this? And so we have, over the years, tried to develop some principled convictions that will both honor the Lord's gathering of his people on Sunday, but also the 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 honoring of the Lord sending his people in various places as his ambassadors and representatives. And now some people may just say that, oh, we're going to be people who represent the rule and reign of Jesus and the kingdom in the sports world just as a way of just skipping church all the right, time. Right, I just want to get, yeah. Yeah, that's not our team, man. In fact, we, we actually love being out in the world with people, and sports has been a massive part of that for us. And so the little the little rubric that we have used, and we've even, as of just a few weeks ago, um, my son, he has a new coach this year too, he, he actually didn't go to the first half of his game because we went to church. And so our, our philosophy over the years is if they're at a tournament, out of town, weekend, hotels, championship kind of thing, we go as a family to that tournament. We will miss church on that. For normal, regular season type games, if it's in town, we will go to church rather than and skip the game 
rather than go to that game and skip church. Now, when a church has two services, it makes it a little easier uh, because you have some selectivity of when you right. can do that. Right. Um, but that's been that's been our policy. We don't want our kid to be the one kid that like leaves their team on championships Sunday and and won't come play. But we also don't want to be the, the the kid that doesn't say, "Hey, no, we value the gathering that's right. of God's people." Yeah, you're because uh, you're you are you're you're training and you're equipping and you're modeling to your kids something there that's yeah. saying, uh, when, all things considered, when you're in your normal life routines, yeah. Gathering on Sunday morning with that's God's right. people is that's important. Right. And maybe, you know, there are some articles that I did write a response to one that was talking about how, you know, you should never miss church because of youth sports. And I, I don't agree with that. I think that we've tried to be selective and focused both in our play and our worship so that we can honor Christ the King overall, both in the arena when we're gone and when we choose to miss soccer uh, for for uh church and I, I loved it years ago there's a there's a coach now who's a high level coordinator in the in the big 10 who was an nfl coach for a while who's coming to our church for a while and i'd love it he'd bring his kids in football pads uh, to our gathering and they're, they're taking communion in their pads even in the season when a high level coach comes to church on sunday yeah. I was like, Man, that's a commitment and that, yep. that's showing your children something there that's really important the funniest story i have from our time we had a british coach once who scheduled a state cup game in new jersey on good friday Friday night, Good Friday, right smack where our Good Friday service was. And, man, he was kind of a crazy wild dude. Um, and he's in, at the time, Caleb was one of the really good players on that team. And they were playing I, one of the uh, girls' clubs. It's one of the tops in the country. And we're like say, uh, the quarterfinals of the State Cup. And I said, hey, man, we're not coming. Uh, I'm the pastor of this church. We have a Good Friday service every year. This is like our Super Bowl weekend, right? Good Friday, Easter, yeah. like the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. I'm not coming to that. And he was like making all these kind of blowing wind and threats at me. I was like, look, man, you don't want to go there. And then finally he said, well, well, what time's your thing get over? I was like, well, this, he goes, well, I think I can delay the game an hour. Do you think she can come play in the second half? And I was like, yeah, we're done with church. We'll come play in the second half to the glory of God. We'll do it, man. That's good. So I, I don't think, I think that's a pretty good matrix you got man, there. We're trying, man. You know, maybe someday I'll be gone too much and I'll have pastors that care about us who will speak to us yeah, we about will. our sports we will. idolatry. But uh, it's coming, man, and, and there will be demands. But I think we make our lines uh, not so uh, strict that uh, our kids uh, resent them missing the championship game right. because of uh, something we do well, every and, Sunday. And, and it, because if you're that strict with it, you also run the risk of ostracizing your kids, which, yeah. which listen, I, I think our kids need to be willing to be ostracized for the gospel, right? That's so, right. So if they, for deeply held beliefs in Jesus and, and identification with him, but, um, but not, they don't need unnecessary. Yeah. And, and, and I've, I've, I've said this to a few pastors, we don't want to pit Jesus against Jesus because he may want us sometimes to be at that game. Well, Jesse, thanks so much, man, for uh, yeah. engaging with this. I'm looking forward to seeing the, the, the sports life of the Furies as you go ahead. and um, Newly developing. I'm thankful that you guys can speak into our lives, and then certainly hopefully we can get Casey out to do another Radford Soccer Clinic maybe next summer. Well, as we close today, please review us on iTunes. The Gospel Underground accepts, fully accepts, five-star reviews of our podcast. The Gospel Underground is a joint production of Power of Change and the Bonhoeffer Hound. Send your comments, feedback, questions that you might want us to take up right here. Questions about youth sports, maybe, to info at gospelunderground.org. We are dialogue taking place in the borderlands between the church and culture. We hope to see you out there. Peace. Peace.